Welcome to N20XX. This series takes the listener, year by year, into the future. From 2040 to 2195. If you like emerging tech, ecotech, futurism, permaculture, apocalyptic survival scenarios, and disruptive science, sit back and enjoy short stories that showcase my research into how the future may play out. Good evening, I'm Morgan Colt, and welcome to the Nightly News Brief. Our top story tonight, the casualties caused by the drone invasion. Every day has brought new tragedies, and tonight we mourn the loss of 17 including Henry Murdo, the billionaire CEO of a large pharmaceutical company. Mr. Murdo was on a quail hunting trip yesterday when over 100 drones overtook his party. In addition to Mr. Murdo, Five of his business associates, three outfitters, and seven bodyguards were shot down. Last night, the country lost a prominent investor, Dwayne Jack Farver. Mr. Farver was shot and killed when he stepped out on a 57th-story balcony during a party. Though over 20 others were on the balcony at the time, no one else was wounded. Our thoughts are with the victims, their families, and friends during this difficult time. It's estimated that 4 million drones are in wait and hunting for specific people. If you spot any, ask your AI to contact Drone Watch. In other news, a new report indicates that a staggering 72% of people capable and likely to work have lost their jobs between 2045 and 2047. However, the report also found that 23% of those people have started new, often higher-paying, careers in automation and robotics. Many organizations are reaching out to help. Ask your AI about helping the unemployed. That's all for now. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again tomorrow night. Guru Frisky, 26 years old, walks around the Portland Expo building. Having retired her influencer outfits, she now wears a flight suit nice enough for business meetings. Her jewelry is minimal, and her designer AR glasses are mirror-shaded across the top. People mill around, their shoes squeaking on the floor. Even soft sounds echo. The ceiling, high above, disappears in darkness while hung spotlights brighten the floor, stands, and stage. Guru follows a bot. Two spoked wheels on the sides of its cooler-sized base move it about with agility. A tripod on top of the base holds 20 cameras and 5 mics 5 and a half feet from the floor. She can control it with her thumb. Her connect link reads the VR dots in her fingers. The bot makes choices about how to maneuver through the crowd, all the time recording. Editing AI will put all the footage together for her and post it in long and short forms. It'll also write articles and posts, put them online, and submit them to news outlets. She talks to cameras on the bot, here we are at a rally for Liz Hunt's re-election. I already recognize a face or two. This is the second year I've followed campaign trails and I've got to tell you, things feel kind of spooky tonight. Big names are noticeably missing, not just politicians and billionaires. Someone just asked me if I was afraid of triggering a drone attack and as much as I'd like to think I'm big news, 
I don't think I'm there yet. No, most of the peeps who target me are incels who spend more energy on not masturbating than on developing attractive skills like, I don't know, singing, learning another language, raising goats, or anything with a hint of good vibes. She follows as the bot nears the stage, saying, looks like they're setting up. Usually, near the stage, I can find someone interesting to talk to before the show. You, viewers of the live feed, can change your viewpoint and have a look around but don't forget to look at me. She gives a toothy smile and places an index finger on her dimple and says, wow, what's all that equipment they're loading on the stage? Excuse me. What are you putting on the stage? A man in overalls connecting black boxes with cables after standalones place them on the stage looks up and says, it's hologram equipment. Guru says, this is President Hunt's rally. Won't she be here in person? The man gives a sneering smirk and says, are you kidding me? Guru spots a standalone made for remote meetings and says, ooh, must be someone important there. Thanks for talking. She points with her thumb over closed fingers, and her broadcast bot wheels around her and heads in the direction of the remote meeting bot. Many improvements have been added to the latest remote meeting standalones. The shells on the simple shapes of its body can display vibrant images and even play video. The shell of the bot she heads toward makes the bot look like it wears a man's suit. Its head is the midpoint between a cube and a sphere. Each bulbous side shows a live feed of a man's head as it talks to a small femme smiling up at it. The robot moves its arms and adjusts its posture naturally. The movement is so convincing, the bot could be made of driftwood and people would still forget they weren't talking to a person. Guru says to the cameras, that's Senator Turnkey. I can't help but feel a little sad that rallies are missing the people we're holding the rallies for. I know we'll get to see President Hunt as a hologram, and I'll have a chance to speak with Senator Turnkey as soon as the sweet little femme releases her claws from him. But rallies are for taking down that wall between politicians and people, if only for that short period of time before they get elected. Well, another element of life as we knew it falls to the wayside like roadkill. She rushes toward Turnkey as the small femme walks away. She says, I'm next. Senator Turnkey, can I speak with you next? Guru walks out on the stage of late night with Dwayne Middleton, bows to the audience, and walks over to a couch to sit near Dwayne. The show looks IRL but Dwayne, Guru, and all his guests use avatars who appear in the VR space. They participate at the same time but at separate locations. A viewer needs to look hard to detect that the show is all 3D animated. VR dots in the participants' facial skin are read by connect links to stream live expressions accurate to the nanometer. Dwayne rises and clasps hands with Guru then they both sit. Dwayne says, this is your first time on the show. You've gone from being an influencer to reporting on slander cases. You co-created the hit, Slander Backfires. He lets his eyes pass over the audience as people clap and cheer then says, the movie touched a nerve with audiences. Is there a possibility of a Slander Backfires Part 2 coming out? Guru nods as she waits for the applause to subside. She says, well there's certainly enough material for a Part 2. 
You do know that most people who wear AR glasses, which is everyone, opt into encrypted life logging so, not just slander, but all kinds of crime will play out very differently from now on. Also, have you heard of these child tracker chips? Dwayne tilts his head, raises his eyebrows, and says, no. The audience laughs. She says, like VR dots, tracker chips half the size of a grain of sand are injected under the skin and can be used to track the whereabouts of children even if their connect links have been removed. The chips are federally approved to use any other nearby connect link to convey the location of the child. She turns to the audience and makes a big gesture of nodding while they hoot and clap. Dwayne turns to the audience and makes an O shape with his mouth. He says, yes, in fact, my kids have the chips, and my oldest is 23. She says, I'm not surprised. The tracker chips are being worn by adults too. He says, not just for kids anymore. The audience laughs and claps. She smiles and waits then says, you know Dwayne, we may be witnessing the end of serial killer crimes. A kidnapper never knows where a chip has been hidden and their own connect link could lead police right to them. The applause reaches a peak. He says, you've had many successes in your first years as a reporter. So, you never felt that your job was at risk of being taken over by robots? She shakes her head and says, there'll be investigative reporters as long as there are people. Curious people find things out that make them angry or excited, and they want to share them with the world. Dwayne presses his lips together and nods approvingly. He says, keep us hopeful. Well Guru, what are your plans now? Any new leads we can look forward to? She looks down and says, I do have a hot new lead, but I can't say anything yet. He says, ah. She laughs and says, you'll just have to wait. In her hotel room, Guru sits leaning on the pillows on the bed. A phone icon appears, and she clicks on it. The hologram of a femme with long, straight hair and peach-colored lips appears in front of her. The femme says, Hi Guru, you wanted to talk. Guru leans forward and says, Hi Maxine. Yes, perfect time. I messaged because of something you said the other day. Maxine says, about what? Guru says, you said some people spend all their money in that game you helped create Ruins of Firebend, and I asked if money was laundered in the game. Maxine laughs, oh yeah. Guru says, I've been looking into it. A financial journalist told me that money is leaving known financial services. If this game is being used for money laundering and a safe haven for nefarious fortunes, we may be looking at what's now bigger than any bank, in the form of its game coin. There's a reason money laundering has been dropping or people think it has. People are using this game to do it. I've found comments on hacker sites that mention invisible banking. Maxine says, it's an intriguing idea but I don't know if I can help you. There's a reason everyone says the game is unhackable. Besides being AI evolved, it's also very encrypted. Believe me, people have tried to hack it for 15 years. The game won't let anyone see what players have. You can't sniff out money not even by looking at the code. Guru says, I think I can do it. 
Maxine's laugh sounds choked. She says, how? Guru says, I want to go in as a game character and do old-fashioned investigating. I want to be VR's first undercover investigative reporter. Maxine says, well you'll want to learn to fight, in-game that is. Guru says, I wanted to go more the stealth route. Maxine says, that only works if you level up and you'll need to know how to fight to do that. When she takes a tube to Augusta Resort in Montana, it feels like air travel, the cylinder shape of the cabin, regulated air pressure, and knowing great speed goes unfelt. Seating space is much better than plain seating. The tubes furnish a feeling of luxury long abandoned by airlines. It takes about as much time as a flight. It's too bad there aren't hypertubes all over. Besides the line that runs from Texas to California and up the coast, all the tubes are near the Canadian border. The other passengers look doped with cash. She hopes to see someone notable, but most seem like the newly wealthy, those who joined the robot retrofit wave. A guy across the aisle wears an imported, designer sports coat and cargo shorts. It's like seeing flat tires on a luxury car. Most passengers are oblivious to their surroundings with glasses frosted over. Her urge to make an influencer post comes back but she tries to forget it. Her AI says, Guru, Vanity Fair wants an article on your guest appearance on The Tonight Show. She says, oh, write me a light-hearted article, an ironic article, and a reflective article. It says, I've written them. She says, read them to me. As the AI reads, she says, keep that part for the final article, and, oh, let's use that whole paragraph. After she asks the AI to write the final article using the parts she chose, she asks the AI to send it. She says, I almost forgot to ask. How much will they pay me? It says, $500. When the tube slows to a stop, the plane experience turns back to a train experience as the wide doors slide open and everyone shuffles out into a tiled station. Her AI says, take the stairs to your right. She says, what about my luggage? It says, it'll be taken to your room. She walks through a lavish mall and says, what else do they offer here? It says, besides meeting and convention rooms, the resort offers a Disneyland, Six Flags, water parks, golf courses, horse track, sports stadiums, event arenas, indoor surfing, a zoo, stage production theaters. She interrupts, saying, okay, okay. I get it. And it's owned by Native Americans. It says, yes. All around, transparent panes stand much taller than people, two inches thick and eight feet wide. Like giant see-through dominoes stood here and there throughout the entire walkable area. Though these walls don't stop people from being able to see any part of the mall, they do stop bullets. Looking around she sees a spa, a yoga center, and a juice bar. Montana has become one of the most expensive places to rent or buy a home. The only other place where housing prices are rising as quickly is Alaska. She says, if my bags are going to my room, can you show me the rig now? It says, sure. You can use the rig you rented at any time. It's reserved only for your use. 
Turn back and take the left at the fountain. Besides the rigs, the resort has swimming pools optimized for people visiting VR. The freedom of movement in the pools greatly enhanced VR visits. I can arrange for you to check out. She says, skip ad. In the center of an area where people sit on benches and in massage chairs, a life-size statue of a young man running and holding out his arms catches her eye. She asks, who's the statue of? The AI says, the statue is called, the run of Carl Heavy Head. It commemorates a tribe member who sacrificed his life when a faction of the Tucker group attacked a group of natives and Dr. Tom Fan. She says, isn't Tom Fan the one who started yeast meat? It says, yes. Tom has mentioned Carl Heavy Head saving his life many times. She says, what was Tom Fan doing with a group of natives? It says, I can't find a satisfactory answer. The incident happened at the beginning of the media attack. She turns down a hall so long, two moving walkways take people up and down it. The glass wall on the left looks over a barren landscape. An unformed thought tugs at her awareness. Most of Montana has some indicator of being owned. It may be a ridiculously large mansion on a mountainside or a private airfield. She says, what's that barren land? The AI says, that's the reservation. She says, is this resort on reservation land? It says, no. The resort is right outside the reservation. She says, but with land prices so high, why didn't they build the resort on their reservation? It says, the natives don't own the reservation. The land is lent to them. They have residential towns on the reservation, but other than that, they buy land outside the reservation for all the companies, businesses, and rentals they own. An elevator takes her to floor D, four floors below one. The door labeled Rig 10 recognizes her and she enters. The size of a large garage, it houses a machine that probably weighs as much as a truck. With robot arms cropping up from its base, it reminds her of a tree with branches reaching out in all directions. She says, can I try it? The machine comes to life with sounds of air compressors filling and hundreds of small motors clicking initiation sequences. Her AI says, yes, I can talk you through boarding it. The central trunk of the rig leans 40 degrees toward her. Her glasses draw a circle around a group of belts on top of the beefiest arm. The AI says, for starters, you need to strap into the hip and crouch harness. I've highlighted where those are. When she's fully strapped into the rig and pulls the headset on, the rig takes her through introductory exercises. She can walk, jump, climb stairs, crawl, and swim. Anticipating her movements, it feels like the arms aren't there. Machines in the gloves make it feel like she really does grasp oars when she rows a VR rowboat. When she hits a ball with a bat the vibrations of the ball hitting the bat reach her hands. Afterward, she climbs off the rig, has a look at her room, and then eats an early dinner in a restaurant with fish pools near every table and a grand piano that plays itself. The robot waiter looks the most peep-like that she's ever seen. A shell shaped like a pompadour stands in for hair, and shell-like parts make up its face. She's glad the makers didn't go uncanny valley on their creation.
The next day, in the rig, Guru signs into ruins of Firebend. She spends way too much time developing her character. Having chosen a mountain elf, one would think that choosing sexy outfits would be easy, but the starting choices are as limited as a downtown discount clothing store after the holidays. She wants to be like a spy elf but the two cloaks she can choose look like army blankets. No doubting what gender created the clothing for this game. She chooses Fairhaven Square as her entry point into the world. Many online guides say it's the safest place for new players. She finds herself on a crowded street. Everyone looks like a variation on peeps. Dwarves, semi-giants, elves, fairies, and nymphs brush shoulders with humans. Stone buildings flank the street. Carts, horses, sheep, and dogs also press on through. A cat darts past Guru's feet. Or Genevieve, Guru's game name is Genevieve. Must remember that. As she walks north, she reads signs. Standing on a broken fountain in the center of where five streets come together, a town crier in rags calls out, in Draveldorf the nearest town a dragon destroyed the largest fortress tower. The people of Draveldorf need the help of brave fighters. Genevieve walks up to the boy and says, I'm looking for the Marker Academy. Have you heard of it? The boy holds out his grimy hand and says, I may have. She grimaces and picks the smallest coin out from her coin purse and hands it to him. He smiles with crooked teeth as a bluebird flies down and lands on his shoulder. He says, you say you have no map yet. Follow my bird. It'll lead you to the Marker Academy. She asks, where are your parents? He says, my parents were disemboweled and hung on the walls of Electrum whose ruler has been going mad for years by following the whispers of Gruelio who some say comes from the land of dreams. Electrum is in high need of a mighty warrior savior. The blue bird flies up and flies circles above. She says, well, good for you, or I'm sorry for your loss. She follows the bird. At the gate below the sign that reads, the Mark Academy, in carved wood, the bird flies far up into the sky and away. She pulls a rusty chain and hears a bell inside ring. A gaunt figure in hooded robe steps into the little yard inside the gate and crosses over. Without showing their face the figure asks, why do you call? She says, I have an appointment with the mark. The hooded figure asks, what's your passphrase? She says, horse heads in the big house. They lead her through the yard and up old stone stairs to a private courtyard. Shadows from the second-story balcony shade a walkway around the courtyard. The noise of the streets is blocked out here. The figure says, he'll be here any minute. They leave and a large, hairless, shirtless man strides across the yard toward her. He holds out his hand and says, I'm the Mark. Nice to meet you. I'm looking forward to training you. He bows. Would you like me to speak to you in the way of this world or in the way of that other world? At first, Guru pauses with confusion. Then she laughs and says, oh, let's just talk. Like IRL. His posture changes from austere to business casual and he says, okay, great. Uh, I can tell you're in a rig. 
If you don't mind me asking, how the hell did you get your hands on one of those? She puts her hand on her hip and says, I'm renting it. He says, you can do that. She says, the only place I could find to rent one is in a Native American resort in Montana. He says, seriously. She says, serious seriously. He trains her for a week and tells her about a campaign she can join that'll help her achieve scout status so she can gain some abilities in sneaking away, eavesdropping, finding hidden messages, etc. On a Monday morning, she awakes and parts the curtains. Above the mountains, the clouds are so thick and dark, it still looks like night though it looked like day at the same time yesterday. She heads for the rig room. On the way, standalones pass here in the halls carrying long rolls of tarp and hauling containers. Uniformed peeps hurry down halls, open access panels, and go from room to room. In the elevator, Guru asks a uniformed staff person, what's going on? The femme who may still be in high school, with wide eyes, says, I'm not sure, sorry. Someone told me it's a drill. In the rig room Guru enters the game. She pays for a sorcerer to send her through the ether to a town called Golden Castle. The flight through the ether reminds her of wormholes like those in movies. Wearing a stylish black snakeskin cloak and soft leather boots, thank goodness for players created items, she rematerializes on a narrow dirt road that leads from a woodsy mountainside to the stone wall surrounding a town. Crossing a drawbridge over a moat, she notices soldiers walking on the top of the wall. In the town, the roads are cobblestone and every building, almost every building, has a sign for a bank hung over its door. Making a point of striding with an amiable air, she sees no one. The mid-sized town has no farmer's market, no blacksmith, no inns, or public notice boards. A figure half her height runs down the road toward her. She places her hand inside her cloak and clutches her dagger. It runs right up to her, a gray-faced wraith, and it says, What are your wants here? She says, I'm on my way to Wazelcrest a few miles from here. I'm wondering, kind soul. I'm in need of rest and sustenance. Can you point me to the nearest inn? The wraith steps back. It sways a little and looks at nothing. Perhaps it speaks with its peep controller to find out how to handle her. She feels cold and wet on her feet and looks down. The ground looks dry. Has she fallen victim to a spell so soon? The wet sensation travels up her feet and around her ankles. It soaks her socks. Wait, the rig can't make her feel wet. Just as the wraith lifts its stick of an arm to point down the road, she shouts, escape. Escape. Quit game. She pulls her hands out of the rig gloves, tugs her headset off, and looks down. A pool of water fills the room. Oh shit, she could get electrocuted. She pull releases the straps on her arms, chest, and legs. The water rises to her shins. A siren cycles back and forth between high and lower pitches. When she releases her crotch strap, she falls and grabs hold of the robot arm that holds the left glove. She climbs out of the rig. When her shoes touch the floor, the water is above her waist. She calls out, help. 
She had set her glasses in a chair in the corner and now that chair floats upside down. Her feet slip as she wades toward the door. It sounds like a girder bridge tears apart outside. The water has reached her chest. She searches for the door handle, finds it underwater, and gives it a turn. The door bursts open throwing her back. A wave of water comes into the room and splashes down on her. It pushes her back. Fully submerged and tumbling backward, she hits her head on a rig arm. Holding her head, she fights the current and tries to swim upward. Her head emerges. Water entering the room makes visible currents on the surface. The door is almost below the water's surface. An explosion shakes the building, and the lights shut off, leaving her in total darkness. She reaches up and feels the ceiling. Sounds of fizzing and bubbling grow loud. She swims toward where she thinks the door may be. One of her legs kicks a robot arm, sending a sharp pain through her shin. Her head submerges and when it surfaces again it hits the concrete ceiling. She must keep kicking to stay afloat but it scares her that she may kick the rig again. An underwater explosion throws her tumbling. Her ears ring for a moment then she loses her hearing entirely. She hits the wall, and her hand finds the top of the door. Listen to the next episode to find out what happens to Guru. Thank you for listening. I will never run ads on this podcast. Please take the time to rate, review, and subscribe so that more future-minded people can find this show. My landing page is n20xx.com. There, you can find the companion website to this podcast that includes an illustrated timeline and glossary.